Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Florida politics, powered by Gannett. Republicans are in an all-out war against Disney, Florida's largest employer. New York is trolling Florida with billboards about the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill. And a host of lawsuits have been filed to try and overturn the GOP's legislative agenda this year. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns and get at state capital reporter John Kennedy. But first... Before we get to our numbers this week, I wanted to do a little housekeeping here and let our listeners know that we're changing the podcast schedule going forward. Instead of every week, we'll be releasing a podcast every other week, still on Thursdays. We appreciate your support and we'll continue to keep you informed about Florida politics just on a bi-monthly instead of weekly basis. So look for us every other Thursday where you get your podcasts. And now for some numbers. Antonio, what do you have for us today? I got 212. All right. How about you, John? Zach, I'm uh, pretty modest here. My number this week is three. All right. I'm blowing you guys out of the water with a 10 million this week. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, the last two weeks have not been good for Florida's largest employer as it takes fire over its reaction to Florida House Bill 1557, which has been derided by critics as the so-called don't say gay law. After Disney CEO Bob Chapek criticized the law, Governor DeSantis lashed out at the company, and that kicked off a really just a huge wave of GOP criticism that also has been fed by leaked videos of the company executives discussing their commitment to diversity and including LGBTQ voices on Disney programs. Fox News host Laura Ingraham accused Disney of, quote, pushing a sexual agenda on little children across their entertainment platforms. She added that, quote, this isn't programming. This is propaganda for grooming. That's right, grooming, a word that has become very popular uh, in this debate. She also said that Disney should rename Space Mountain to, quote, Sex Mountain. Donald Trump Jr. said Americans should avoid Disney altogether this summer and get outdoors. John, this GOP war on Disney is really kind of something to behold here. It's really kind of incredible how quickly the company went from the embodiment of wholesome family entertainment to a symbol for Republicans of what is wrong with the culture. I know you're right, Zach. This is not a fight I saw coming. Uh, you know, DeSantis leading a charge of Republicans against the Magic Kingdom with uh, Disney, you know, the state's top tourist destination and a huge donor to Republican campaigns, and also a company that usually gets its way with the legislature, which has doled out millions of dollars in tax breaks and incentives a company's way. But you know, it was only a few weeks ago that. Governor DeSantis ridiculed those kids at the University of South Florida wearing masks at an event that he was involved in saying they could take off the masks and quit the COVID theater. Well, in this case, I think this Republican outrage at Disney seems to be this year's campaign year theater. Uh, it's still meaningful, though. You know, Disney has paused its contributions to Republican candidates. Uh, these candidates and the party will feel that before long. 
but with uh, DeSantis saying Disney will, quote, never run the state as long as I'm governor, he, he seems to be creating a red line with the company that, you know, I don't know, can they somehow forgive and forget and take the money again uh, if, if Disney steps forward and says they're willing to donate? What, what do you think of that? Because it's really interesting. Like, I mean, he's basically tying the the company's opposition to this legislation to um, how they're treated in Tallahassee, basically. I mean, he's sort of entertained this idea of um, re- removing their special district status where they are basically their own government. Uh, I mean, he hasn't full-blown endorsed it, but he sort of said maybe that needs to be looked at. I mean, what does that have to do with their opposition to this bill? And it looks kind of punitive, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does, yeah. And likewise, he's talked about trying to repeal uh, what what they were given a, a, a special exemption in a social media law that was passed a year ago. Of course, that law has been declared unconstitutional by a court. So uh, that that law may never take effect anyway, but that was another thing that DeSantis sort of chewed the scenery over with uh, trying to uh, make sure that Disney didn't get any breaks. But, uh, you know, as you pointed out in some of the comments uh, that we're hearing, Zach, it seems like, you know, Republicans are just willing to criticize their critics and uh, and and you know, just continue demonizing Disney. And uh, they've been accusing them of sexualizing children by their opposition to the limit on talk of sexual orientation and gender identity in lower grades and uh, and in all schools, if uh, if, if it's considered a, a, a you know, ill-defined definition of uh, age appropriate. Yeah. But, and uh, it's not just sexualizing children. I mean, it's it's taking it a step forward uh, and saying that uh, you're grooming children for I don't know, I guess sexual abuse or something like that. I mean, it's it's a pretty yeah. it's a pretty wild the the uh, direction this um, debate has taken. Well, the the party is all in on culture war fights as uh, seeing that's going to carry them to victory in the congressional midterm elections this year, which of course coincides with DeSantis's re-election campaign and you know all the state cabinet offices on the ballot as well. We have Senate President Wilton Simpson as a candidate for agriculture commissioner, so he's not going to sort of buck the uh, DeSantis line here, I wouldn't think, on Disney. So you know, I suppose to a degree, Disney is viewed as that Hollywood culture that Republicans are so quick to criticize. Uh, they're calling it a California company you know, seemingly downplaying its influence here in Florida, you know, hard to imagine how you can do that. But fear is uh, stoking the Republican voting base this year. Fear of outsiders, uh, people with different values, people of different nationalities, of different races or sexual orientation. So we're seeing that Republican Party is building an entire campaign around false or misleading information about what's happening in schools. In this case, that that schools are, you know, somehow teaching a, a gender identity to grades one through three. There have been very, there's really no examples of that being put forth by uh, by the supporters of this legislation. There, there, it always seems to be some anecdote that may have happened in a school district, maybe, or maybe out of state somewhere, and could it be imported into Florida? Then once they create this sort of uh, you know, false narrative, they implement policies that respond to these falsehoods, sort of cementing them even further into our political landscape right now. 
But, uh, you know, based on polling, it seems to be working with people agreeing that they don't want little kids taught about sexual orientation or gender identity, even though it's apparently not being taught right now. So, uh, you know, it's a strategy of conquering a fear that they've created. And uh, it, it seems to be working for Republicans. I think we're going to continue seeing them double down on that theme, even if Disney, you know, the happiest place on earth is the target. Antonio, what do you think? I mean, this this war on Disney has really metastasized here. Uh, it's really gone national. You see all these leading conservative figures uh, teeing off on this company that was pretty golden uh, up until now. You know, gentlemen, I, I think there's a little bit more going on here than just simply the don't say gay legislation and public unhappiness about it, particularly among the LGBTQ plus community. And in fact, the fight over this with, with DeSantis and Republican lawmakers over the legislation, it, right now, it may not be Disney's only worry in, in what has become a damaged year of celebrating the, the 50 years of the Magic Kingdom here in Florida. It, there's a lot of worrisome pushback that is also coming from the legions of Floridians who have bought annual passes and have been some of Disney World's most successful repeat visitors. If you look at any social media platform, you're going to see a lot of Disney file Floridians fuming about the increase in prices. There's also fuming about the end of the what used to be the free fast pass system and fuming. And this is really stunning to hear about in relation to Disney, but just fuming about it overall, a bad customer experience having gone to the parks. About this time last year, one of Florida's best tourism analysts, Peter Ritchie of Florida Atlantic University, predicted a lot of this. He noted that the state tourism, state's tourism businesses, including Disney, but not alone, but Disney not alone, that state tourism businesses were jacking up prices and milking vacationers to make up for pandemic shutdown losses. But Richie issued this warning that it was going to be unsustainable to raise prices while providing a poor customer experience, at least not for long. At the time, Richie gave hoteliers, restaurateurs and attraction owners and airlines 12 to 18 months before consumers began to rebel. Well, it's been a year and we are seeing signs of rebellion when it comes to the legions of Disney fans. Now, the parks are crowded and there is no sign of boycotts, but the dissatisfaction is evident and getting louder. And you have to wonder if DeSantis, who is politically savvy and pretty aware, knows that in some ways Disney's become a bit of a soft target. He can hit the mouse and win points for standing up for the average Floridian, especially as Disney seems, at least in the perception is, that they're catering to his higher income more elite customer base. And remember, we've heard a lot of, a lot of talk about you know, the Republican Party in Florida really being this working class, you know, the paycheck to paycheck people's party. So I don't know if, if this is at all playing a role in this fight between DeSantis and Disney, but I do see Disney taking friendly fire in a year that was supposed to be all about 50 years of the Magic Kingdom in Florida. And you wonder if some of that is also playing into the way that the DeSantis and the, and the GOP are going after them. That's interesting. So you think that this is partly like Disney, I, you know, and it's it's true. Disney is expensive now. I, I took my daughter there um, last year for her birthday. And, uh, you know, I was I was surprised at how, how much the tickets are. And just in the gift shop, you know, we said, oh, you can you can get one thing from the gift shop. And, uh, you know, there was like nothing in the gift shop that was under like 20 or 30 dollars, which was which was fascinating to see. You think um, Disney has uh, has started to they're, they're getting they were getting some uh, public pushback before all this. Yeah, they're getting a lot of pushback, and I, and I don't know if there's a connection, but I, it's clear 
that if you are DeSantis and the GOP and you want to take shots at Disney, you you can you can do that. They're they're not as held as high esteem, and they're not as criticism proof as they used to be. I think you could say that probably for almost any corporation these days. The the days of Republicans being uh, deferential to big business seem to be waning. Although they they still uh, are getting lots of campaign contributions from them. Well, while conservatives are taking aim at Disney over the don't say gay bill fallout, New York is taking aim at Florida with billboards encouraging people who are upset about the new law to move up north. The billboard ads will appear in Fort Lauderdale, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, and West Palm Beach for eight weeks. They have colorful art and phrases like, People say a lot of ridiculous things in New York. Don't say gay isn't one of them. Antonio, Florida lawmakers kind of like to troll other states. I remember Rick Scott got a lot of attention. He used to travel the country on these like job poaching tours. He went to New York and California, pretty much all the, the blue states, and tried to convince them that, hey, you're your taxes are too high. Why don't you come down to Florida? I don't think that convinced a whole lot of businesses, but it was good publicity for for Scott and um, uh, definitely, uh, you know, got some attention for him. Uh, So Florida has a little bit of a history of this trolling, but it's interesting to see a a Democratic governor turn the table a little bit. Yeah, it it is. And and particularly in this case, Mayor Eric Adams, you know, Adams is a dimensional and intriguing political player. He's a former police officer. At one point, he was a Republican. Now a Democrat, Adams won the New York City mayor's race by running to the center and and to the right of progressive candidates. If you watch Adams on any TV news program and interview with them, and he's likely talking about crime and policing. And while he's a reformist, he he is pretty centrist. So Mayor Adams and and New York shot across the bout of Florida GOPers here on the uh, don't say gay legislation. You know, it's kind of a complicated uh, salvo that was shot at Florida and, and one that is not so easy for the new sweet Florida political team to easily swat away. Not like they dismissed sniping from former New York state governor and now disgraced governor, former governor Andrew Cuomo, or even from blue state lightning rod, you know, Governor Gavin Newsom of California. But maybe, you know, as it's often said, this whole thing from New York, these ads, maybe it's not personal, it's just business. And just like the discussion on Disney being a softer target, than maybe previously thought, Florida also is a soft target when it comes to LGBTQ plus issues. Namely, there's a lot of unhappiness about in, in Florida's LGBTQ community and, el- and, and broader than that, but a lot of unhappiness with the don't say gay legislation. And while the ads trolled for people to move to New York, the state's, the state's soft spot here is the uh, tourism industry. For more than two decades, Florida tourism markets have been pursuing and wooing LGBTQ plus tourists. Why? Well, st- surveys have shown that they tend to be more affluent and economic staffs have said that they tend to have more disposable income to spend here. Maybe Adams and New York tourism marketers may take aim at Florida tourism as well in sensing that there is an economic opportunity to siphon away residents as well as these valuable tourists for Empire State business. Now, though, you can't blame LGBTQ plus travelers and for having second thoughts about coming to Florida or about moving here or about even living here. There are other places to go, like the ad said, and and other more welcoming places for them. But South Florida though, I mean, it's pretty gay friendly. I mean, Miami area, it's like, well, whatever the state policies, the local policies are not, um, you know, are not like, uh, getting the community worked up. You really think that this does much other than public relations? You know, I don't know. I, I think when it comes to tourism, it might. 
I, you know, I, yeah. I don't see, look, I, I don't see a flood of people leaving Florida to go to New York. I mean, people in Florida in large, you know, not only because there's no state income tax, but also there's no snow on the ground in for three or four months of the year. So I, I don't, but I could, I could see where if they start really pitching to, to the traveler traveling community. Yeah. They, they could have a bit of an impact. Well, uh, it's, uh, interesting. I guess you'll be, uh, watching some of these billboards as you drive. I know some of them are going up right around you, Antonio. So, uh, it will be interesting to see kind of, uh, uh, how they go over with the public. Well, a lot of big bills passed the legislature this year on everything from elections law to education policy and abortion, but they're not becoming law just yet. Opponents have filed a series of lawsuits trying to overturn the GOP's legislative agenda. John, that's kind of been a common theme in recent years. You see Republicans pass uh, a bunch of bills and then they get tied up uh, and often even overturned in the courts. We've seen that with things like the Sanctuary City bill got tied up in court, this elections bill, SB 90. Um, you know, a judge recently threw out parts of that that's being appealed. It, it seems like uh, every year the, the GOP passes sort of a, a slate of, of uh, you know, hot button issues. And, uh, you know, then the lawsuits start this year, though, it really does seem like sort of a, a bumper cop of these lawsuits. <laughs> it does. So, you know, yeah, as you point out, for many years, Tallahassians have wondered whether it would just make sense to install a revolving door between the Capitol and the courthouse, uh, you know, where you see so many bills that get passed, they immediately get slapped with a lawsuit claiming some kind of constitutional violation. But during the past three years of the, the Ron DeSantis governorship, uh, the number of lawsuits have really stepped up and uh, really the tenor of the legislation and the, uh, and the lawsuits that have followed them uh, really have taken on kind of a nationalized tone, which I guess is fitting for a governor's viewed as, having presidential aspirations from a state that also has sued the Biden administration twice over federal border policy and immigration and three different times over COVID-19 requirements, all of that in less than a year and a half. Now, now DeSantis recently signed the parental rights legislation that's been branded the Don't Say Gay bill by opponents. And uh, no surprise, that attracted a lawsuit within days of the governor signing the measure. But plenty more challenges are really waiting in the wings to legislation that focuses on immigration, abortion, election security, campaign financing, and uh, discussion of race in schools and in the workplace. Um, as the legal director for the American Civil Liberties Union of Florida told me, we'll see DeSantis in court were his uh, parting words. And um, legislation approved last year, you know, now we're seeing it also coming back through the courts. Uh, as you pointed out just last week, uh, U.S. District Judge Mark Walker, he, he delivered a blistering 288-page ruling that gutted central parts of last year's elections law. Yeah, yes. these these lawsuits have kind of become must-read, huh, John? I mean, like, he, he really got a lot of attention for that ruling. I mean, Republicans were like, this is way out of bounds, and, you know, he's going, yeah. you know, he's an activist. Democrats were... Um, you know, cheering here, but it was interesting to see him lay out and, and tie this to like a history of uh, racial uh, discrimination in Florida. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, in addition to striking down the limits on third party voter registration groups and uh, restrictions on ballot drop boxes, uh, he also took the unprecedented step of putting Florida into pre-clearance status under the Voting Rights Act for the next 10 years. Uh, this is something where Florida would evidently have to go before the Justice Department with any kind of elections changes. Uh, he cited what uh, Walker claimed was the state's history of, quote, repeatedly, recently, and persistently 
working to deny black Floridians access to voting. You know, I think he reflected a lot on the controversy that swirled around, uh, you know, Amendment 4, the felons voting uh, law that was uh, passed uh, a few years ago by voters and uh, as a constitutional amendment and still is uh, sort of muddled in the court system right now. Um, the state, of course, is going to appeal Walker's ruling and uh, DeSantis lashed out at the judge uh, who indeed was nominated by former President Barack Obama. And uh, he also is the same judge that blocked the anti-riot law from uh, last year that now is on appeal by the state. Um, you know, DeSantis's one loss record in court hasn't been great. Uh, he he was on the winning side when the U.S. Supreme Court in January blocked uh, Biden's vaccine requirements for workers at larger companies, which was among the governor's lawsuits directed at the White House. But uh, DeSantis has lost lower court fights over his push to regulate social media companies, crack down on undocumented immigrants with that sanctuary cities ban. And uh, also he tried to impose new criminal penalties on demonstrators. That was the, the so-called anti-riot law. But uh, now DeSantis, uh, this time around, he, with the filing of that uh, legislation related to the parental rights law, uh, he does acknowledge the possibility of a loss at the uh, trial level. But uh, he also says that with all these cases, he's going to seek reversal by appellate judges. And that's the same path that he has taken over the past year following the other setbacks on the courts. He, he has uh, a friendlier uh, judiciary with the conservative-leaning 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is based in Atlanta, uh, that has 20 judges, 13 of whom were appointed by Republican presidents, including six by former President Trump. So, you know, that's kind of how we're rolling in Florida right now. A crush of lawsuits aimed at DeSantis and DeSantis firing back with lawsuits aimed at the Biden administration. And then a lot of it winds up in appellate courts. Uh, but, you know, even if defeated in court, DeSantis's aggressive stance on some of these topics that really animate a conservative voting base is seen by many analysts as proving to be kind of a winning strategy for him. Uh, you know, of course, taxpayers are left with a mounting legal tab, but DeSantis uh, becomes a, a darling of the conservative right with these uh, positions. And um, looking ahead, these uh, constitutional violations, again, are likely to become the backbone of lawsuits that are expected to be filed in coming weeks over uh, new measures that could punish companies that help transport migrants into Florida, halt most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, uh, and impose new restrictions on discussion of race in schools and workplaces, and limit out-of-state contributions to ballot initiatives. That's a bill that the governor just signed uh, last night. We're recording this on Thursday, and the governor signed that into law Wednesday night. But um, you know, basically, once DeSantis has sent the legislation by lawmakers and enacts each measure, advocates are ready to file their lawsuits, they say. So we're in the post-session season of bill signings with the governor traveling the state doing that these weeks. But uh, with many of these uh, bill signings, lawsuits are going to be coming right on their heels. Yeah, and, and we're not done yet. Uh, there's a special session coming up later this month on redistricting, and it looks like there's definitely going to be a lawsuit over that uh, because uh, the governor has really um, said that he is not going to uh, approve a map drawn by the legislature. I mean, he already vetoed it, and uh, he's really pushing for them to adopt 
his map, which erases a number of um, you know black uh, you know uh, minority access districts, and it seems likely that that'll be challenged as uh, discriminatory. So uh, more big lawsuits to come as the the year goes on. Here uh, we'll move on to some numbers here. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, gentlemen, my number is two hundred and twelve, and those that two hundred twelve is the number of words in a March twenty eighth statement issued by former President Trump. Uh, this statement was by far one of his longest on a single topic as an ex-president. And, and Trump said he issued this statement because many people were asking for his view. And there was a lot of chatter about this topic and everywhere people everywhere were asking for the facts. Well, the statement wasn't about the barbaric invasion of Ukraine, nor was it about inflation, nor even about rising crime rates. No, nope. it was about golf and specifically that Trump, while playing around last month at his West Palm Beach Golf Club, he hit a hole in one. Now, I raise this because in other parts of American society, people are really focused intensely, for example, on the inhuman war in Ukraine. Mr. Trump has repeatedly said he would have stopped the war, but he's never gone into detail about how he would have done so, certainly not as much detail as he did on the hole in one. In fact, his repeated statements that he would have saved Ukraine from this crisis begs the question of why, for example, hasn't he pulled the Jimmy Carter who, as an ex-president, went to North Korea, Haiti, and other places to defuse tensions. That's why Carter won a Nobel Peace Prize 20 years ago. Recently, I interviewed former National Security John Bolton, and I asked him exactly why he thought Trump hadn't been more engaged in stopping the war in Ukraine. I'm sorry, the, the special operation. Uh, given that Trump says he has such a good rapport with Vladimir Putin, and given that it would be a major way for Trump to upstage the Biden administration. What Bolton said is that, you know, basically Trump's not capable of it, that they were doing something like this would require a lot of thinking through a policy and considering the pluses and minuses, the risks and costs involved. And as Bolton said, that's just not what Trump does. But we know what Trump, Trump knows golf and he, 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 he does golf. As for the hole in one, Trump scored it on the seventh hole with a five iron. He hit into a straight win. It bounced twice, he said, before clanking into the hole. If you're wondering if the story is true, Palm Beach Sports reporter Tom D'Angelo interviewed golf great Ernie Els this week. Els, who was playing with Trump on that round, confirmed it's true. So there you go. A hole in one and 212 words that, words that tell you all about it. All right. Well, you know, Trump loves his golf. Uh, John, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, Zach here. I'm, I'm here with a three and three are the number of special sessions of the legislature that have been called by Governor Ron DeSantis since he took office in uh, January 2019. Uh, I, I, I mainly wanted to talk about the special sessions since uh, we have one coming up beginning April 19th. But I but I also wanted to make a sort of apology because in our last podcast, I dismissed the idea that we'd be back in a special session. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, I, man, I, your punditry is way off, John. Oh, it was way off. I now, now I did. I didn't give it a full, uh, you know, Joe Namath like uh, guarantee. <laughs> but uh, but Zach, you asked me about it, and I, I sounded yeah. pretty pretty sure of myself. At to, the time. to be fair, I think I was asking more about a special session on like property insurance and stuff well, like that. that maybe, but, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving me that wiggle room. But uh, <laughs> so so we we do. We have a the latest special session is called for April nineteenth through the twenty second, uh, the week after Easter and the week of Passover over to uh, deal with congressional redistricting. Uh, DeSantis vetoed the legislature's map drawing plan because lawmakers wouldn't do what he wanted, and that was to abolish the black-leaning Congressional District 5 in North Florida, which DeSantis has recommended be drawn into a Duval County-only district that voted overwhelmingly for President Trump in 2020. 
Um, so, the, the, you know, basically DeSantis's uh, approach would reduce by two the number of black leaning uh, congressional districts. Uh, th- there are four of them right now. So he'd cut that number in half and he would increase the, the state's share of Republican leaning districts. So, um, uh, you know, a question going into the session will be whether Republican leaders in the legislature will abandon the position that they had taken. That was of preserving the state's four districts that elected black Democrats to Congress or fold and go along with what the governor wants. And that's reduce the four seats by half to two and increase the number of districts likely to help uh, elect Republicans to Congress from Florida. So uh, Republican leaders are going to have to do some backpedaling from their original positions on defending state and federal laws governing redistricting and go along with the governor's approach, which is certain to still wind up being challenged in a court by Democrats and voter organizations that are allies and trying to preserve those black Democratic districts. So um, special number session number three, though, comes after session two under DeSantis last fall when he ordered legislators back to the Capitol to defy the Biden administration on COVID-19 vaccination requirements at larger companies and also strengthen the governor's hand in fighting local mask requirements like those enacted at a dozen school districts in Florida. And uh, a year earlier in 2021, we were in special session like this one called not too long after the regular session was completed. That time it was to enact a new Indian gaming compact that was centered on introducing online sports betting in Florida, which has been overturned by a federal court. That ruling is, uh, of course, being appealed, but uh, all bets are off for now. Um, So DeSantis' special session record so far is maybe one win on COVID restrictions and one defeat on sports betting. He gets the uh, Republican-led legislature to go along with him on most things. But uh, this time around, congressional redistricting is more of a lift for legislators since they're going to have to uh, really walk away from their earlier legal position on the uh, need to preserve black-leaning districts. But it still may be a court that has the ultimate say on whether DeSantis meets his goal with this special session. But again, we will have a special session. So uh, maybe it's good that we don't have online betting in Florida because I, I tend to <laughs> bet wrong on the wrong horse a lot of times. Well, well John, you you made a, you went out on a limb and made a prediction about the special session. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a prediction about the special session. And I'm going to say that uh, these guys are going to fold to DeSantis. I just I don't see how he doesn't get his way. I think his hand is stronger than it's ever been with Republicans and with these Republican lawmakers. And now he's threatening primary challenges and, um, you know, endorsements and things like that. Um, You know, not not necessarily primary challenge, but endorsing candidates in these primary races. Uh, He he already did it um, with one state Senate race for Blaze and Golia. And uh, he's talking about doing it again. Um, Wilton Simpson, who's the president, of the Florida Senate uh, is running for agriculture commissioner. He just got a Republican opponent and DeSantis was asked uh, at a recent press conference if if he was gonna make an endorsement in that race and he didn't come out and, and endorse Simpsons, although he said he's been helpful. But, you know, uh, you know, Simpson might be wondering uh, if I don't placate DeSantis on this issue, is he gonna get involved in my, my race, maybe support my opponent? So I think it, that's kind of probably what DeSantis was thinking and endorsing in some of these races that he wants to get his way in the legislature. And, 
I don't know. Yeah. I think they're they're going to find a way to give him uh, pretty much everything he wants with this, but we'll see. Um, <clears throat> my number is ten million. That's how much uh, money Congresswoman Val Demings raised in the first quarter of the year as she seeks to unseat Senator Marco Rubio. Democrats don't have a lot of things going in their favor this election cycle, but Deming's fundraising has been one of the bright spots for the party. She's been a money-raising machine, collecting more cash than Rubio in each of the last uh, three quarters. Rubio hasn't released his numbers for the first quarter of uh, 2022, but it's it seems likely that uh, Deming's has probably outraised him uh, again. Her $10 million fundraising figure is pretty strong. Her campaign claims it's the largest first quarter fundraising figure ever for a Florida state Senate candidate. Whether it will convince national Democrats to invest in Florida despite the state's rightward lurch in recent years remains to be seen. Uh, it definitely seems like Deming is trying to get them to take notice and not abandon Florida. And uh, she's certainly getting Rubio to take notice. His campaign is really a, a ramped up its attacks on Demings in recent months. I was at a Democratic Party dinner in Sarasota this week where Demings spoke, and she uh, she drew a pretty strong crowd. It was uh, almost 700 people sold out, filled this ballroom, um, and the audience was, was pretty fired up despite the odds uh, stacked against Democrats uh, this cycle. And it was kind of notable. Demings didn't really uh, go after Rubio at all. I mean, she's been attacking him. Uh, her campaign has been attacking him online, sending out press releases and tweeting and things like that. But you know, she avoided him. Uh, talking about him and mentioning him by name during this uh, Democratic dinner in Sarasota. Um, uh, she really sort of instead played up her background. Um, and and it, I think that kind of shows that Rubio doesn't animate, uh, you know, antipathy towards Rubio doesn't really fire up Democrats the same way it does, um, to, you know, the antipathy towards DeSantis, which I think could be a challenge for Demings, just getting uh, Democrats worked up to try and to take out Rubio. I think Democrats are pretty fired up to take out um, DeSantis, but uh, that'll be one factor in the race. But, uh, you know, she seems to think that emphasizing her background as uh, the daughter of a maid and a janitor, uh, first in her family to go to college, rose to become chief of police, all that um, is, uh, is a pretty uh, strong uh, story for her to tell Democrats. And, and the crowd did seem pretty fired up at this event. Um, so I think she has uh, a tough task, but she just added 10 million more pieces of ammunition to her arsenal. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Gordy. Thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.